Here we are. No guests. Just the two of us. Just our 25th episode here on the podcast. I hope our listeners are okay with with just us. I think I think some of them will be okay with it. Not the I, ones that listen just for David. Yeah. David is very smart. Some I, would say too smart. I would not say that. He could be smarter. Fair. <laughs> just kidding. He's he's really smart. I love chatting with David. He helps me, he helps me keep my politics straight, which I need. I need that help. So, um, I'm in control, as I like to say, whenever I'm hosting. Mm-hmm. I'll be controlling this episode from top to bottom, inside to outside, outside to in, any way you want to look at it. That's every way that I want to look at it. There I'll be in control. And um, I'm excited to jump into that really soon here. Do you want to tell us about the wine? I actually think you should because you're obsessed with it. You said it was your. You said it was like your new could be your new favorite. So I feel like you should describe it. Well, I didn't full on say it's my new favorite, but oh, maybe it is. I don't know. Um, I'm definitely moving it straight into the regular rotation for sure. There's zero chance of that not happening. It is called Commuter Cuvée, and it is a Pinot from a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley, which I love. Like I, when I saw it in Leon and Son, under twenty dollars, Pinot Noir, Willamette Valley natural wine i was like um yes i'm definitely trying this and it is so good it's actually kind of pulled even for a pinot mm-hmm. i lo- i really enjoy it yeah it definitely isn't like it's, it's other cousin pinots it's definitely in its own yeah it's a little darker i'm starting to lose my voice a little bit mm-hmm. oh my word you know what i this is not going to happen because i have stuff to tell and you guys need to hear this but it could be sketchy. <laughs> it's weird. It just it started is like weird. right now. I am sometimes a victim to laryngitis. So maybe my maybe that's what's happening to me. Yeah. It has happened many times. I love telling people I have laryngitis because they think it's something really bad. Hmm. And it just means that you lost your voice. <laughs> you, well, when you should tell them with like a you, you should quiver when you say it. Like you should have a little like quiver in your voice when you say it too. No, I know. My voice will be like gone. And they're like, oh my goodness, what happened? And I'm like, I have laryngitis. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I thank you. Um, Soup. Do you make soup? You could bring it over. We'll take soups. My family's very hungry. Or Cleaning I could use help with. I'm I'm just trying to get by with my laryngitis. So... You start that. I think you can make a meal train right online. It's funny that people can sign up for. <laughs> it's funny you're making this joke because that's like that's like your worst nightmare. Yeah, I know. I don't. Someone ever let... feeling sorry for you and then doing something nice for you. Oh yeah, for it's sure. like the worst thing that could happen to you. Just help. Just people helping me. Yeah. Yeah. I. It, it's such a problem because I really actually think it's very kind. I just have such trouble accepting the help. That's what it is. Totally. I feel bad. Trust me, I know. Better than, better than anybody. I accept your help. I require it oftentimes. Re- it's, it's required. <laughs> and I was like, I wish you guys could help because since you can't, I'll be having to help her later tonight with all my chores. Yeah, right. 
That is kind of true. I was like, other people don't have to help me. My husband can do it. <laughs> he can help me with all of it. Well, here we are. Are you ready, Adam? I'm ready. I'm comfortable. We got an epic new setup here for the podcast. Yeah. It's really nice. I like it. I'm very comfortable. Maybe too comfortable. I'm a little sleepy. I'm literally drinking a, a beautiful bottle of red wine and I have candles lit. We're sitting in our comfy chairs. Yep. We got our boom mics out. We have our boom mics out. Honestly, I feel like we could. But I also am in a really warm blanket. Yeah. I feel like also we could just bust into some yoga midway through the podcast. One of us could be doing yoga while the other person responds to what you say. <laughs> no, I want you fully listening. All right. Okay. So what I wanted to talk about is um, I'm always thinking of different topics, mulling over ideas, but since this month is Black History Month, I really wanted to do something um, that would honor this month and, you know, as best I can keeping in the space that we are, that we are in. Um, so what I decided to explore and talk about, um, because I personally believe it to be a very real and threatening thing to many African-American people, all African-American people really, is the systemic effects of slavery. So we are jumping into that. I'm excited. Here we go. Slavery was accepted because of a common belief that black people didn't hold value as a people group or as individuals. We didn't see their lives as significant and worthy. I want to talk about this because I think many white people believe today that we have overcome this line of thinking. And while many individuals have worked more towards inclusion and supported the Black Lives Matter movement, our data tells the story of how valuable our country thinks black lives are today. So I just wanted to go back and touch on that. This is really like data related. I didn't want to, I do have opinions about all this stuff, but I didn't want it to be exclusively my opinion. I spent hours today accumulating data that directly aligns with something that happened to enslaved African-Americans and what is happening to African-Americans today. Got it. So here we go. Today, 73% of white households own their home compared to 43% of black households. As slaves, black people weren't allowed to own anything, let alone land. Black students today are expelled from college at disproportionately high rates and are enrolled in college at a rate of 34%, 8% less than their white peers. Slave owners did not allow enslaved children to be educated as a way of keeping them impoverished and without skills to ever do anything for themselves, thus ensuring that they would continue to stay in slavery. Just think about that. We didn't allow slaves to be educated. And still, black people today are enrolling in educational services at a lower rate than white people. Still. Yeah. They're being kicked out at an exponentially higher rate. Totally. How can you not say these things are systemic or related? You can't. You can't not say it. That's my take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to be doing a lot of agreeing. 
the employment rate for black men has been 11 to 15 points lower than white men every month since January of 2000. That is crazy. That is a crazy stat. Yeah. Well, as you know, after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Jim Crow laws were put into effect, making it almost impossible for black people to find work or be hired by white people. I mean, they weren't even allowed to be in the same spaces. They couldn't own property. No. Right. We're still, they're still behind. We're mm-hmm. still not doing it. Um, approximately 22% of black women will be victims of rape. Only one in 15 will report it. Enslaved black women were raped and beaten by their masters as the individual master saw fit. Often these rapes led to pregnancy in which the master had control of the child, which was then considered another another piece of his property, which gained him more wealth, more slaves. Yeah. You were considered, you were seen as wealthy and rich. I mean, three quarters of the South didn't even own slaves. That was like an aspiration for most yeah. people to be able to be wealthy that was owning slaves was a status symbol. Yeah, totally. So, so these men were incentivized, a lot of them, to rape their enslaved African-American women, get them pregnant, and create more children. Yeah. That's messed up, man. Um, along with that, during the time of the Jim Crow laws, many white men in positions of power used that to justify and force rape on African-American women and girls. This was a pivotal and unfortunate change in black women's freedom from the enslaver because, as said best by Patricia Hill Collins, no longer the property of a few white men, African-American women and girls became sexually available to all white men. This, reading that for me was so sad because during this time in which African-American people were freed, and I use that term loosely, the Jim Crow laws were enacted and any strange sort of shelter that they may have had from being enslaved was now taken away. They didn't have homes. They didn't have any place to hide or an owner who would disallow other people to hurt them. Yeah. And now the Jim Crow laws made it possible for white people to misuse them in any way that they deemed fit. But all of them, any of anyone, any random person. Yeah. It really was like a sad, a sad step back black women die from maternal complications three to four times more than their white peers that's so crazy yeah i heard that stat the other day yeah it's today it's not like we're not talking about during the slave like slave times we're talking about like right now right i heard that stat and it blew my mind like they just don't have the same access to is that it is it because they don't have the same access to medicine um, or healthcare. I'm sure that's part of it, but it's also it, there's also this constant idea that black women are not as deserving of 
good treatment in many ways as any other race. They're the most likely to be murdered. They're the most likely to be sexually assaulted. They are, studies show that people even see them like young black women. They view them as older and more sexual than they would the same age girl of any other race. Man. They are considered to be promiscuous. They aren't allowed to own their sexuality like white women are and to be proud of it. That's considered like flaunting or they get slut shamed. So I think that these things all tie together in that we don't consider them worthy. And statistics like this show it. You can't completely, you can't ignore that. In 1845, James Marion Sims, widely known as the father of modern gynecology, began experimenting on enslaved women without consent or without any anesthesia because it was commonly believed that black people didn't feel pain. He even performed 30 operations. Wait, wait. How could not, how could that be a a thing? Because don't you think they would respond the way anybody would respond when being cut open or inflicted? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. Yes, 100%. But at this point in time for slavery, the people that were buying slaves and owning slaves and were accepting of slavery and perpetuating slavery, they were willing, I think, to justify that by any means necessary. They didn't even consider them to be actual people. They were literally to be regarded as an item of property. I mean... They treated them as a thing. Yeah, completely. Um, He even performed 30 operations over a four-year period on a 17-year-old African-American girl perfecting this surgery and then, once perfected on her, offered it to white women with anesthetics. She was not given any anesthetics. It was commonly accepted that black women had no autonomy over their own bodies. So him doing that was completely legal and nobody, zero people had an issue with him doing this. Mm -hmm. These women had no choice. They did not have to consent. They did not get any pain medication or anesthetic while he experimented. They had to, um, go down on their knees and then put like their elbows on the floor and then put their head in their hands. And then he would perform experimentations for the surgery on them. As many as he wanted young, young women. I didn't respond because I literally was like, haven't blinked in like three minutes. Right. That's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. And he is, you know, considered sort of the, the, the father of gynecology because he did, he did create these surgeries. He was the first one to do it that, that were, you know, really widely used and, and that we needed, but this is how he did it. Mm -hmm. And nobody talks about this stuff. Why do we have to go digging to figure this out? Totally. Black infants are more than twice as likely to die before their first birthdays than white infants. That's cr- that's crazy. I know. It's like, I want you to read all the research you've done, but it's also like really painful to listen to. It's hard. It is hard, but these it's are... It's important, but it's hard to hear. Yes. 
Exactly. And when I was like writing this stuff down, um, like part of me was like, I mean, I could have put so many more things in here. Totally. There were, there were so many other things that I found. I'm going to, at the end of this, I'll cite my sources because I used so many articles and I read so many different things today. But ultimately I felt two things. I felt one really, really sad that a group of people actually endured this kind of treatment and is still, still being treated with less respect and dignity than other groups of people. And it's obvious many people admit that and know that. Yeah. And the ones who don't, the data shows it. Totally. And the other thing that I felt was, I guess my, my feelings were really complicated because it was like, I didn't want to keep reading this stuff because naturally, yes. But then the other part of me was like, I'm, I'm going to go to these dark places. I'm going to, we're going to talk about this. We should be talking about this. We need to know this. It isn't just a stain on our past. It's a stain that we continually try to make part of like some great Americana mural, right? Mm, It's like if somebody splashed blood on the wall and then this amazing artist came and painted all around it. And then when we told the story, we'd be like, this blood actually was splashed here, you know, in this terrible way what do you call those like a graffiti artist or you know something like that right totally an expressionist maybe but look what we created out of it that's how i feel like slavery is talked about in schools right this really terrible thing happened but look at all of america yeah and what we did and it's so good we've come so far and it's like we really haven't yeah, slavery was taught for me in a way where it was like this thing was horrible, but the Civil War ended it. Yeah. And you learn about Jim Crow laws in like high school. Like so in yeah. elementary school, you don't learn about Jim Crow laws. In high school you do, but it's like everything's good. You're not talk we don't talk about the systemic racism or what what slavery has done systemically, not racism. What slavery has done to our culture, to to African Americans today. Yeah. Which does translate to racism. Yeah, for sure. It, I mean, this is all racism, for sure. And it is, in this case, you know, it's specifically, these are things that that have been perpetuated that started with slavery. And they, yeah. you can see, you can hear as I read these, how little the differences are between them. Yeah, totally. I mean, like these clearly have been perpetuated from slavery. Yeah. So saying that, black infants are more than twice as likely to die before their first birthday than white infants. The infant mortality rate for enslaved babies was around 66% on the plantations. Man. So every baby was more likely to die. That's crazy. I know. It's just, it's just really sad. But, but like you think, like I, I look at that and I think 
these women and these babies were viewed only as things, only as property for the actual owner himself. He doesn't care. No, he didn't view them as people. Right. He's just probably like, hopefully she gets pregnant right away again and has another one. I don't care how many babies she has as long as some of them. It's just really disturbing, the whole thing. It's also like you think back, like it's really hard to do this because um, it's hard to do this because we live in such a different time and it sounds so awful to us now. Yeah. But like, I'm trying to think of something comparable today. I can't. Um, but like, it's... Well, think of like the Holocaust. Right? That was something not that long ago that we're still, that we still talk about today. Well, what I'm saying is I'm trying but to... But we've s- treated those survivors much differently. Yeah. And I'll, I'm also trying to say like, put like, like the people that, it's easy to, it's easy to like the people like the the Germans that enacted these crimes against the Jews in the Holocaust. They a lot of them suffered. Uh, they suffered war. They they suffered like punishment afterwards, right? They were put in front of like an international tribunal and they were like sentenced to different penalties. Mm-hmm. But like I'm trying to like put and these are evil people. But I'm trying to put myself in these white slave owners or these people that are practicing medicine on African Americans without giving them any kind of sadist, like any kind of anesthetic. It's like, how do you honestly, like, how do you do that as a human being to another human being? Right. There's the part of you that's human and understands what it is to be human. And then look at another person that has this five fingers and five toes. That's a human being too. I know. And there should be a plate. There should be like, there's something broken in these people. But this is what's happening. This is why I wanted to talk about this, because what I am reading to you are stark differences in the way things happen to us and in the way that our lives appear to be lived. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm saying less black men are employed than white men. So racist white people say they don't want to work. Yeah. And I'm saying these statistics to you because I want everyone to see how these are tied together. This isn't about want. This isn't about laziness. This is about systemic racism and oppression from 400 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's how long this has been happening. Yeah. And people need to understand that. The, The differences in the way that our lives look are because of that. There are lazy people in every race. You can you cannot localize that to one race. That is the truth. Right. And 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 brutal people and people who commit heinous crimes. All of it, right? Yeah. That that is not localized to any particular race and it really really bothers me when people try to do that and use that for the crux of their of their racism. Completely. Black people are incarcerated at a rate of five times, 5.1 times higher than white people. Enslaved black people had to follow the slave code. So when I said that 5.1 times higher, that's today. Okay. So here's, here's how we got here. Enslaved black people had to follow the slave code. This included laws such as black people were not allowed to testify in court against a white person. So if you 
said. This is like To Kill a Mockingbird stuff. Let's say that you are a 14-year-old African-American girl and two adult African-American people witness multiple men rape you, which happened. This actually happened to um, a young girl. None of them can testify that those men did that. Essentially, do whatever you want to any black person. The likelihood of a white person seeing it and testifying against you is probably almost nil. And they cannot. They're not allowed to. Well, a white person wouldn't testify anyway. That's what I mean. Yeah. The chances of them. Well, I'm saying like, let's say that, you know, a white woman saw this black man do it. Yep. 200 years ago. For sure. She's not going to testify. No. No. And And the person who actually had this crime committed against them is not allowed to. That was the slave code. Yeah. It's, it's just absolutely crazy. It also included uh, laws like a black person could never strike a white person, even in self-defense. And I put this in here because we are still seeing this kind of stuff with police brutality today. Police officers beat black people and black people cannot even defend themselves or they are considered vicious, or they are called the attackers. Mm -hmm. This is so unfair. And you can see where this started. We literally had a law that said that you couldn't do this even in self-defense. You could not hit a white person. That's, That's insane. It literally makes me crazy. It's so hard to look back on these laws and these, um, this era and like try to compute it. Yeah. And I think too, a reason, I don't know if you're going to go anywhere with this. If you are, we can not talk about it now, but like, I think a reason we don't, or especially white people, it's, have you heard of white guilt? Yes. So like people feel like white people today feel guilty about this, even though they didn't do it. Right. Like you and I didn't enact any of these laws or participate in any of this stuff yeah but someone like someone could feel guilty for it because you the white people had all the advantage and had all the power and enacted this power on someone mm-hmm. and you feel guilty so you don't want to even acknowledge it it's it's kind of like i don't know if natural is the white word but it's suppressed because to go down these roads is really difficult to hear for anybody but to know that it was a, a white race doing it to a african-american race an african race is 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 awful and i think like as a white person you hear this stuff and you're like oh like i cannot believe just because of a skin color this was something that happened to people and Mm -hmm. like lives man like generations of lives completely wasted Mm -hmm. and i don't i mean and stolen and stolen is the word not wasted stolen stolen lives like robbed of so many beautiful things. I want to really quickly talk about a woman that I listened to another podcast about named Sandra Bland. She was 28 years old and she was in advocacy work for um, black people Mm -hmm. and um, trying to bridge the gap between 
like racial discrimination, you know, yeah, that gap, that literal gap. Mm -hmm. She was pulled over and assaulted by a police officer. Hello, ma'am. With the Texas Highway Patrol, the reason for your stop is you didn't fail. You failed to signal your lane change. Got your driver's license insurance with you? you? Give me a few minutes, all right? You okay? I'm waiting on you. You. This is your job. I'm waiting on you. What do you want me oh, to do? Oh, you say? seem very irritated. I am. I, I really am. But I feel like it's tough for what I'm getting the ticket for. I was getting out of your way. You were speeding up, tailing me. So I move over, and you stop me. So, yeah, I am a little irritated, but that doesn't stop you from giving me a ticket. So. Are you done? You asked me what was wrong, and I told you. Okay. So now I'm done, yeah. Okay. You mind putting out your cigarette, please? Don't mind. I'm in my car. Why do I have to put out my cigarette? Well, you can step on out now. I don't have to step out of my car. Step out of the car. Step no, out of the car. No, you don't have the right. Step not, out of the car. You do not have the right to do that. I do have the right. Now step I out or I will remove you. I refuse to talk to you other than to identify myself. Step and out or I will remove you. I am getting removed for a failure. Step out or I will remove you. I'm giving you a lawful order. Get out of the car now or I'm going to remove you. And I'm calling my lawyer. I'm going to yank you out of here. Okay, you're going to yank me out of my car? Get out. Okay. All right. I know it make you feel real good. You're a real man now. I you just slam me, knock my head in the ground. I got epilepsy, you mother. Good. I hope I'm good. good. You should have thought That's about good. that before okay. you start resisting. All right. All right. Yeah, this is real good. Real good for a female. Yeah. She was arrested, taken to jail, held there for a period of a couple of days where her family then was later notified that she committed suicide. Which, yeah, I remember this one. I remember the story. There, do you remember? Did I tell you about it? No. You listened to it, or you saw I it on the news? I saw it on Twitter. There is no evidence, really, that she killed herself, and it makes zero sense. Yeah. She just moved back to Texas and accepted this new position. Yep. At um, a university, 
and it was about inclusion and and exactly what she wanted to work for work in the field advocacy and um then this happened and she i think that they knew immediately that this officer would have charges put against him mm-hmm. and somebody in the in like an officer killed her or they paid an inmate to do it or something yeah it's just there's no evidence really that that she committed suicide and she had no reason to yeah and she wasn't suicidal yeah i know they didn't notify it's messed up man they didn't notify her or like her family of like that she needed bail or help i mean they they played it off to her family so like nonchalant mm-hmm. it's such a crazy story but i really want to i hope that we can um play that for you guys so you can hear it because this is the type of violence that is perpetuated against black people at such an alarming rate african americans make up about 13 percent of the nation's population but constitute 28 percent of all arrests 40 percent of the incarcerated and 42 percent of those on death row yeah that's a brutal stat i, I knew that one it's that's crazy it it it, it makes no sense it like you literally you cannot have that much variation without racial prejudice it's not possible well what the argument to that is and i want to say argument there's no argument for it but what people who are willing to make a ridiculous well like mike bloomberg even um said and this is historically not like yesterday but like when he was mayor of new york city he's like we go to the we go to the Minority neighborhoods, and that's where we arrest the thugs, essentially is what he said. Yeah. And, you know, the there's there's no debate that there's higher crime. There's places, there's places in a lot of cities that have higher crime rates, and a lot of times those crime rates, those areas are minority driven. Like that, that's, there's more minorities in those, in those neighborhoods. That's yeah. also a lot more poverty in those neighborhoods and a lot less education and a lot less opportunity. Yeah. And so like we're in this cycle that you that's never breaking. Right. Because nothing's changing. Right. It's, it's, you know, it, to say, which is probably an argument that you and I grew up with was that like, you know, this is someone's choice to be this way or to do this. And we see a commonality in, in a, in a race or a ethnic background that with these choices that people make these, these crimes, we see a constant, you know, we see the same neighborhoods producing the same kinds of people. Why are these, why are neighbor, why are these neighborhoods there in the first place? Right. And why is there no movement? Right. Why is that? No one's out talking about that quite answer. They're just saying we have, you know, the, this is where the crime is. So let's go police it harder. Right. It's because of the things that I said earlier. Exactly. Because we're not accepting African-Americans into colleges at the same rate that we're accepting people. It's because we're kicking them out at higher rates. It's because we're not offering them jobs at the same rate. Why are they incentivized to try? They're not. Exactly. White people continue to hold this power and save it for each other. Yeah. 
that really is what's happening. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why people talk about modern day slavery or modern day Jim Crow laws, mm-hmm. because this kind of stuff is still happening. It's just not written down every, anywhere, but everybody knows the code. Yeah. So in speaking of today's percentages of incarcerated rates and arrests and people on death row in regards to African-American people in, in uh, slavery, in the slavery times, it was considered good practice to lynch black men as many as 70 a month for years at a time in order to keep all black people scared. Oftentimes, white men made up and perpetuated rumors about black men being rapists and sexual deviants in order to justify violence of many types against them. I mean, that's still happening today. I, don't I know. S- at, a lower, at a smaller scale, I think, but still happening. Well, what you just said about Mayor Bloomberg, mm-hmm. stop and frisk. Yep. That policy was put into place with the intention that minorities, specifically African-American men and boys, would be targeted by police. Yeah, totally. That's true. So that is like saying, I'm going to create a law to intentionally target a group of people. That is exactly what happened. Yeah. And that's exactly what was happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, here is an article on Pew Research Center by Juliana Manass Horowitz, Anna Brown, and Kiana Cox. They did um, several polls of several different racial groups. I'm only going to tell you how the black people and the white people respond, but they also polled a few other groups as well. Percentage of people who believe that black people are still affected by slave, by the slave area, (laughs) the slave era in American society today. Black people, 59% said a great deal affected. White people, 26% say a great deal affected. Why do you think that is as a white person? Yeah, here's why I think it is. This, again, goes back to a group of people deciding for another group of people how something affects them when they have no experience in that situation. Yeah. They are standing off at a distance and saying, I will tell you how this affects you. You, who have actually experienced it, will not decide how it affects you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I think, I don't know, man. I think, too, it's like there's a lack of knowledge and understanding of what, like, all the stuff you're saying tonight, people, the 74% that said no on that poll. So there were a few different categories. There was, like, a great deal, somewhat, not at all. Yeah. And I always... I I only took from the category that the majority of people, you know, aligned with, if gotcha. that makes sense. So I guess in this case, um, let me go look really quick because I can just find you. Well, I guess my whole point is like there's a lot. I don't know that I, it, I think what I'm trying to say is like, I don't, 
think people that say that the people that the white people that said that, I just don't think they they have any either they don't have an idea of what African Americans have to go through just to get a sense of e- like equality in the yeah. cur- in current like, like the climb for them is so much harder than it is for a white person. Yeah. And it all goes back to the same thing. And if you don't think that, then you're not looking at it. You're, you have, you, you don't, you're ignorant. You don't know, you don't understand. Right. And I think that's what it is. I think it's ignorance. And I don't know if that ignorance is because they're blind to it. Like, just, just don't think about it. Right. Like not racist, not evil or mean, but just like, don't think about it. Mm-hmm. They're, they are racist and they don't care. Or three, they just are, they just believe that, yes, this bad thing happened, but bad things happen to a lot of people. And you have, a, there's this idea that everybody starts at the same spot and where you end up is where you end up. Right. Which is what we were taught growing up. And so, you know, I don't know. I think that those 26% though, that's a, that's a tough, or that, that's just a tough, uh, uh, it's tough, man. So actually, I'm really glad that you brought up what you said because you were like, you know, what, you know, what about the other 74%? And then that led to the categories. And, and then you just touched on this, you know, why is it? What are the reasons that white people, only 26% would be saying this is a great deal? Yeah. And here is what's really interesting to me. Again, 59% of black people said that that, that affects them today a great deal. Next is a fair amount that they're affected a fair amount, not mm-hmm. a lot, just yep. 32% of white people said that. And honestly, it's in the thirties of almost every other race, which is Hispanic. Oh, here's the interesting thing. The two races are Hispanic and Asian. And then they also polled Republicans and Democrats, which I, I will tell how you. that went. Yeah. No, the worst Republicans were the, were the, the of course they are. Yes. They believed in general that, that basically none of this is real. Let's just say that. Yes. Um, that's why when you look at a republic, a picture of a bunch of Republicans, that's like ninety eight percent, ninety nine percent white dudes. They were the highest, the highest group that they fell into, percentage wise, is not at all. At twenty nine percent, that's their highest category. That's that's that that's, is uh, that's insane. It's it's to, this is why I'm talking about this for whoever whoever you are that said that. That's nuts. It's nuts. It's nuts. And it's honestly, it's infuriating. Like you shouldn't be, you, you literally are choosing not to see something right in front of your face. But what I wanted to say is that 32%, this was the biggest category for white people of this question. 32% said a fair amount. And what you were touching on is like, why is it that white people have a hard time agreeing that, that this is real. And I, I wonder if it's to ease our own guilt in this. Yeah. So we end up saying something like a fair amount. 100%. Like it's not a lie. It's not that bad. It was worse. It's real. I'll yep. give you that. But, you know, only f- a fair amount. Not a great deal. That's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up, Adam, because that really is getting the old wheels 
pondering. I have okay. a few. Th- I have a few thoughts on that. Go for it. First, um, I genuinely believe that the Republican answer is one that really triggers me because I think that you don't say that. Yeah. Right. But because the like there's you, all you have to do is Google like Republican white picture and you're going to see these senators that they, they take these with all their staffers. They take this group picture or Congress people with all their, with all their staffers. And it's literally like you literally put sunglasses on it. So white. Yeah, totally, you know? totally. So they know what their target audience is. So when they say not at all, they know they're smart people. They're all, oh, yeah. they're all, they're half of them are Ivy League educated people. Well, yeah, they're good at, they're good at marketing. But they know who their audience is and their audience is someone that doesn't want to hear that. And so that's, what, which is, which is very sad, but that's a big part of it. Um, I often think about what happened to the, like to the Jews in the Holocaust. And I think, why is it that that, um, which is horrible, like horrible, like, like horrible, like the the yeah. worst thing in the last, you know, a hundred years to have to happen. No, not even a hundred years ago. It happened. Um, but how many, how many black people died, right? In slavery and just in the experience that were done on them that we don't talk about like we do with the Holocaust. Yeah, I know. And we like, and, and then look at, look at Israel and look at how, how Jews, Jews have so much, Jews have so much power. I mean, there's a lot of anti-Semites, don't get me wrong. Jews have way better in America than African-Americans do. Yes. A hundred percent. And why is that? I, why do we view that? I know. I don't know. I do because Because they're they're white. white. Yeah. Yes. The other argument I've heard too, because I, I did a, um, in college, I took a class on this and we read a bunch of books like there's this book called black like me and it's really interesting you should read it it's about a guy who literally has procedures done in the 60s to be to make he's a white guy to make himself look african-american and he goes through the south like that yeah and he writes this book about it about how he was treated he was literally a white person all he did was had the pigment in his he went through surgeries to get his pigment changed it's a great book. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it's like you hear the, you, you, you're exposed to this stuff and you're like, this doesn't make, this makes, it makes so much sense that when you go to any, I don't care what city you live in, you go to any like concert or sporting event and you look around, it's all any, any place that costs like a hundred bucks to get in or 80 bucks to get in. It's all mostly white people. Yeah. That's fair. You're right. All right. Percentage of people who say we haven't done done enough in giving black Americans equal rights. Black people, 78% say you haven't done enough. White people, 37% say you haven't done enough. Yeah, again, I mean, these numbers are all saying the same thing. For sure. Right. I just wanted to go through these one by one. And I only have one more that I wanted to touch on because yeah. I wanted it to be clear that white people are, are saying how something affects other people. Mm-hmm. And we're wrong. We're wrong. 
That's the point of this whole poll is like, you're not correct about how it affects these people. You can see that. Yeah. Percentage of people who said when it comes to getting ahead in this country, being white helps a great deal. I don't want to know the answer. I'm going to mute my headset. I don't want to know. This is this one made me. Black people. 69% said it helps a great deal. White people. 56%. Yeah, because they're not living in reality. No, I actually thought this was more alarming because I was like over half actually are admitting that it's better to be white. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. How can you say? No, not over half. How can less than half? Yeah. 56% of white people say when it comes to getting ahead in this country, being white helps a great deal. You're right. 56% of white people said, yes, it does. Yep. How can, how can only 37% of white people then say that we haven't done enough in giving black Americans equal rights? Only 37% think that, which to the 37% that do, thank you. Yeah. We have to get these numbers up. Just thank each other. You and I are in that camp. We have to get these numbers up. Yeah. But then you would turn around and say, if for some people who said, we've done great, it's good enough, you turn around and say, some of those people said, yes, it's better to be white to get ahead. At least they're honest. Yeah, but you can't, those two things can't literally both be true. This is when I just have to hope that whoever was conducting this poll said to those, that difference, it's almost 20%. Right. Somewhere in there, which we know that things just get less and less, right? Like if you say, yes, we have not done enough, the next group says we've done just enough, and the next group says we've done too much. So that 20% difference came from those two groups. Mm -hmm. Either we've done just the right amount or we've done way too much, which is literally crazy. Yeah. My only hope is that the person who conducted this was like, you, do you know what you said? Do you know how this does not? <laughs> Let's go back through your answers. Yeah. So, so you're going to have to change one of these because they can't both be real. Yeah. Just, you know that, right? It's 20% of you that did this. It's a lot of people. Oh. So I guess what's, you know, what's your... Someone's listening to this podcast and you're thinking to myself, I totally agree with what Beth is saying. This is all, this is all like tragic, A, systemic, B, and insane, three, that we're still here. Like we're, it's 2020 and we're still like the statue read about current day, like mortality rates and yeah, um, with both babies and, and women pregnant, like, you know, it's crazy. What's, what do you think, and I, I apologize for asking you the question because usually this works the other way, but what, what's your solution for how do we, how we start to make a dent to change this? Well, first I want to say that for everybody that's listening that may agree with me, I may also be getting things wrong because 
I am doing my best, but I haven't lived through this experience. And I may be misunderstanding. And if I am, I would, I would like to know that. And I apologize if I am in any way. I am, I am really trying to um, be understanding and, and respectful of these topics. Um, but I would want to know if, if I let anybody down on anything that I've discussed. All to say... I appreciate your question, Adam. Thank you. And you are allowed to ask questions, even though I own this episode. You've owned the last two now. It's two in a row you've owned. And I felt very caged. (laughs) That I actually am okay with questions. Okay. It gives me more control. (laughs) Oh, boy. I'm just kidding. Um, Am I? Yeah, you go. So I honestly think that one of the big the biggest differences that um, has, or one of the biggest things that has impacted my life and caused me to change for the better and be more aware of other people and more understanding and more inclusive and a better listener was people listening to me and doing their best to understand me even when I was wrong yeah, and trying to understand where I was coming from. And then sharing with me some truth that I didn't think was true. And that is the thing that I'm always trying to do. I really think what changes this are conversations like this with people that you have and not shying away from these opportunities, but doing it in love and kindness because now in the age of social media, people can be so cruel and it doesn't work. It doesn't change people's minds. Yeah. It makes them hardened to listening to you. Mm-hmm. It gives them proof that that side is awful. Yeah. And I really, I really believe that one, we need to see this type of stuff coming from our government, like radical change that our government would be pursuing and getting involved with. I mean, I was, I am going to vote Democratic in the 2020 election, but I was severely disappointed to listen to six white people discuss how best to serve minorities. Word. I'm very disappointed in that. Yeah. We still aren't listening if we think that we're the only ones that can fix it. And that's a big part of it, too, is Mm -hmm. like... We need to be more inclusive. We need to step aside a little bit and listen to somebody else. Mm -hmm. We only want to listen to ourselves. I think, I agree with what you said. I think from the government's um, perspective, like the change, I agree with you. And it needs to be a huge investment in urban communities, like radical investments like hundreds of millions of dollars to create opportunity yeah that's what that's a big thing i think should happen um and because it's you're not looking your your eyes aren't open if you think that there's opportunity for everybody there's just not there's just there's no there's it's just not a real thing no and you you have to keep and if you don't and and so that's my first point the second point is if you're th- sitting here listening to this and you're like, this is crazy. 
I agree with what you're saying. What do I do to better understand it? You should start reading about it. Like what Beth just said, she just Beth spent all day like researching this stuff. You should just read about um, systemic, like the effects of slavery today. Like I tell, I tell the story a lot, but like, and I've told it on this podcast once or twice, but you know, we are walking through these gardens in Pennsylvania and like literally there, it's an amazing, it's like the DuPont gardens and they're amazing and they're beautiful and there's fireworks every night. There's lakes and there's hills and there's flowers and it's, there's a huge exhibit and there's an indoor greenhouse. But there's also oh, there's multiple houses. Yeah, but but there's houses. There's all these little houses that were slave houses, right? And the the fact that right now it's a place where you go and you spend eighty bucks to get in and you walk around and you can watch fireworks and you can get food, and the the Dupont family, which still is a company today, got their start with free labor, right? And they're still making money today. Yes. Like as a business owner, the idea like to have free labor is like insane to me to think about. Like you'd make so much money. Well, it, the, we can't leg up. We aren't even able to comprehend the level of institutional wealth because it has survived so many generations and it isn't even close. They aren't even, that family's not even close to running out of money. No, it was so far ahead wealth wise of its time. Yeah. That disproportional gap. Yeah. That it has, it, they have money for so many years. Money to come. for days. Money for days. Yeah. And it's it doesn't really belong to them. Yeah. Do you know who Tarana Burke is? Nope. I'm sure you've heard of the Me Too movement. Mm, I have. She started it. She is a black female feminist activist. And she started the Me Too movement to help women gain the courage to talk about their sexual violence that was perpetrated against them. Mm -hmm. Since then, obviously, it's taken on a whole new meaning for all women, which is good, but the statistics aren't changing for black women. The true intention for the movement was to connect survivors of sexual assault to the resources needed to heal. And the reason that I wanted to say that is because... Tarana has in she has a plan. She has an amazing intention for this movement and we need to get her name back out there and give her the reins of this hashtag mm-hmm. and this movement because she has a purpose for it and it's a good purpose. I still think that she want I believe a hundred percent and she's made it clear that, that this movement is for all women, but it's, especially for black women who are the most marginalized in this area. Totally. They are the least likely to be believed and they are the least likely to tell when sexual violence is perpetrated against them. And so I wanted to share that because when we talked about a lot about this, um, I just felt like it was important to get this, go read about her, learn about what she's doing. It's amazing. It's incredible. We'll have a link in our show notes. We'll have a link. My la- here, here is my question for you after all of this. <laughs> we had a lot of questions and we talked through a lot of yeah. things. And there's so many more things that I could say. But 
This is my question that I want to talk to you about because this has been brought up time and time again, but nothing has ever happened. Should African-American people be given reparations? I don't. Oh, boy. So. My answer is no. Wow. Okay. But be not. But I could you could also say that uh, a huge investment in a community would be reparations. Like, I believe we should dump hundreds of millions of dollars into urban, mostly black communities. Mm -hmm. So you could say that's a reparation. I don't think, and again, I the only reason I say this is because I just watched, I just watched a panel on this, of Af- like seven African American people who also they didn't want reparation, they didn't want reparations, because if today in twenty twenty it felt like um, like what's, what's twenty thousand dollars gonna do for me? Like now we're good, now we're square, or whatever the number is, right? Yeah, they did. They, they it felt just this panel that I watched, it wasn't like, I'm not, I don't have an experience. I'm not African-American. I don't know. But what I, it feels like an NDA sort of exactly like, I'm going to give you this. You can never talk about any unfairness ever again. And I don't want that handout. And so, um, the other thing with reparations too, is that, you know, um, not like some African-Americans are way more affected than others. Like, like, most people don't know their even gene- genealogy because of this, like slaves didn't have birth certificates, you right. know, or they were buried in unmarked yes. graves as punishment. Like some, so that you couldn't, some African-Americans can only so go back cruel. two generations or three generations to know where they come from. They have no idea what country in Africa they're from. And so my, my overall feeling with reparations is that because you can't identify in 2020, who did come from a slave family and was affected and who didn't that to just blankly give an X number of dollars to anybody who's African-American or some, some, some white people could claim it too because there were white slave owners that were having, that were raping their African-American slaves. And then if they flee to the North or whatever, and they, they bred with white people, there could be some people with, african-american dna that could just be owed reparations too the whole thing's messy you don't know but my 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 whole my whole thought process on this is is if there was significant governmental economic investment into underserved poor communities that are mostly african-american due to systemic racism that resulted from slavery that's my solution i mean that's not my solution but that's that's like my next step if i could control things that's what i would do yeah, I I like your answer, and I think it's I un- ultimately think you know that's like a great idea. I I definitely don't have the same response as you. I think yes, a hundred percent, absolutely, they should be given reparations. I think that in any case like this, you have to be able to prove who you are and why you deserve the reparations. But they can't, they don't have the, they, there's no lineage a lot of times. I guess I would have to see like data on that. I don't know. Like, I agree with you that that's true. I don't know if a lot of times it's true or what you mean by a lot of times is that's like 90% of the time, 70%, 20%. I don't know. I'm just saying that like, 
The point of reparations is that when you do something, you should pay. And if any person didn't want to take the money because they felt like it was a silencing mechanism, they shouldn't have to. But if they do, if they need it, they should get it. That's my opinion. And we, our justice system works this way all the time. But then are we square then? No. See, it's hard because like you kind of feel like if you don't agree with reparations, I have a solution for it. I don't, I'm not no, saying no. I understand. I, you can feel like kind of an asshole. Yeah, I, I, I certainly, I think what you're thinking is, I totally picked up from you that like, I'm going to say no because I think it could work negatively. I'm concerned that it would be more negative, more damaging. Well, it's really not fair either because you yeah, can't. I agree. You have to prove it, it and a lot of people can't prove it. Yeah, and it doesn't change anything either. That being said, the country that did this to a group of people should pay. They should. They should have to. So It should be hard. It should be painful. But the, the country didn't do it. The Only a handful of states did it. But it was, it was allowed. And actually, and there are some the thing that- is... The North perpetuated it because a lot of slaves that escaped to the North, the North sent back. And not only that, the North bought all the, War. the North bought all the products that the slaves helped create. Everybody was fine with it. I don't know that that's true because there was a civil war mainly because of it. And I would also say that if a Okay, what if, okay, so here's a good question for you. What if, like, a state like Hawaii, who joined the Union after the Civil War, well after the Civil War, should they have to pay for reparations too? Should their tax dollars go towards reparations? Or Alaska's? Or Puerto Rico's? (laughs) I mean, I guess that's part of the price to pay for the benefit that you receive to be part of the country like it's not perfect you're nothing's ever going to be perfect we all have to pay for things that our single state didn't cause all the time i think it's a band-aid i think it's a band-aid mechanism i didn't say that either i no, i'm saying that's what i think it is yeah i think it solves no problems but i literally think they should have to pay that's how our justice system works in so many cases what if somebody did particular harm to someone in your family in very damaging harm. And the judge said, normally what I would do is award you a million dollars and they will have to spend their life working to pay it to you. But in this case, what I'm going to do is have them spend their life working to give it to a charity that is going to educate people about this. Your argument's flawed in two ways. Two specific ways. One, we have a, we have a, uh, we have an aggressor, we have a, a, um, a criminal that we know who did it, and we have a victim. We know who the victim is. My argument to you is that the, a lot of African Americans in America today can't prove they come from racist, or sorry, can't prove they come from slave, a uh, background of slavery. They can't. They probably did, but they can't prove it. 
And two, we don't have data on who actually should pay for that other than the country itself. Hold on a second. You're acting like I am running for president and I have a plan to make this happen. I don't. It would be intricate. It would take tons of details and it has been proposed and denied. They have had bills trying to pass this. It hasn't worked. I know that it would be complicated, but that shouldn't be a reason not to do it. That's my point. Yeah. I'm sure that part of it would be proving that you came from the lineage of someone who was enslaved. However, I'm also sure that there would be countless people all over the country who would be helping you do that or figure that out or finding ways to best serve you through this process. I really think that it would become, there would be a way to do it. I mean, my goodness, our if our country can figure out a tax law for all these businesses, we certainly could figure out something mm-hmm. to get people, to get their families a fraction of what they deserve for the systemic issues and oppression that it has placed on them. They can't get the money back that they could have if, they, if their family hadn't had to start this way. Even a reparation is a fraction of what they could have if they didn't have to start this way. That's my point. Yeah. I and I, I, I guess what I'm just trying to say is I don't really care how hard it would be to try to do it. We should try to do it. But don't you think that it would lead to also, which I don't, I still don't think there's a lot of people that could be able to prove it Two, I, we just, and people could help them, but there's just not the documentation there. There's, it just doesn't exist Two, um, don't you think that there would be a population, a, a significant part of our current population that would be so angry with the word reparation that their tax dollars would be going to this, that they would further, it would create more racism and it would create a fine, we're square now. You can ever use that card again because you got a check for $100,000 or whatever it is. I don't even know what the number is. I'm just saying. And then what if, you know, I guess my point is, is not that I'm disagreeing that there shouldn't be any kind of a, any kind of reparation. I don't, I, I think I've been clear to say like, I have a different idea of what it looks like, but I still think everything you said still, I think there creates more problems than it solves. Like there was Japanese that were locked up in internment camps here in the U S during world war two. Should they get reparations? I mean, it's, it's the, or what if kids in the cages right now in 30 years, should they get reparations? for the psychological damage they're going through, their parents, should they get reparations in 30 years? I think that every situation where reparations are proposed should be looked at uniquely. You can't just throw any scenario at me and say, well, if you do it for one, you have to do it for every single scenario I suggest. That's not how it works. So I don't, I don't think I have to say like, yes, okay, fine. Then if I say yes to one, I have to say yes to all. I don't, I don't have to, nobody has to. Every, every situation should be determined uniquely. Got it. Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Not having said all that, all the stuff you shared is incredibly uh, heartbreaking. And I think the more people know, the more people are educated on what, what led us to where we are today and what's still going on is, is huge. And there's an education gap still with 
yeah why we are where we're at i also want to say just really quick when you said that reparations would probably cause more racism because people would say like that they were angry that we had to, that they had to pay that out or that now you should be happy and i disagree with that because i think it would be the same group of racists that we already have who would have a problem with that they would stoke in my opinion it would pour gasoline on a fire for those people maybe like the word economic investment is completely different than a reparation okay but again still agreeing to disagree finishing out the podcast with an agreement to disagree mm-hmm. i kind of like it when we don't agree on podcast stuff i I think like we don't agree like 30 percent of the time 35 yeah. maybe yeah you thought i would be for reparations didn't you um because you're like really when i told when yeah, I was like, i think ah. i did yeah i just i've read i've read a lot about it like i took a class in that class i took we talked about reparations for half the course and it what class you just said that class a classic in college on um on basically like slavery and where we are today and reparations was half of the class basically we read like three or four books on it and this is kind of where i landed and watching that panel a few weeks ago was kind of fresh in my brain um because i was for reparations for a long time what panel the panel i talked about earlier was like where people were african-americans were saying reparations is not the answer that's not what we need yeah yeah um But again, it was one clip. It wasn't like, I'm not saying that was the end all be all. I'm saying that was like, help maybe reinforce what I thought. But again, I'm not making an argument that there's nothing that needs to be done. There's something that has to be done. Significant financial impact, economic impact has to happen in my opinion, because the gap is so large right now. But um, yeah. Anyway, great topic. Apropos for Black History Month. Um, and it's sad that we have one month where we're like, let's talk about black people. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm glad that we, I'm glad that it's there, but it's also like, we talk about white people 11 months of the year. We talk about a lot of white people during February and you know, it's, it's the shortest month of the year and that's, Af- that's black history month. Like, come on. We can do better. My sources for my research. Um, I mentioned some of them earlier in the podcast. I also, used an article by Jennifer Ray Taylor um, from the American Bar Association, Eric Foner from the New York Times, now.org, Maya Fino and Jasmine Sankofa from ACLU.org and PBS.org. Great sources. Oh, man, I was all over the interwebs today. Well, we've put three episodes out in one week, so I think we'll take a break and we'll be back next Monday. Unless you and I get really heated about reparations and decide to record it. What are you going to talk about next Monday, Adam? I know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. And then after that, we're recording with Melanie, who is going to talk to us about adoption and the many different uh, struggles that happen because of that and how adoptees um, have trouble knowing who they are and having a voice for the pain and suffering that can sometimes result in adoption. It's going to be fascinating and i'm really excited to learn yeah i i'm very excited too so we'll be recording with her that episode will be out on march 9th all right well thank you so much beth good topic appreciate the research and time you put into that you're welcome adam and i I appreciate your listening ears 
thanks for li- and speaking of listening ears thank you for listening uh if you have thoughts please feel free to email us our email addresses are in the show notes you can also get us at instagram facebook and twitter and we'd love to interact with you and thank you for those that email us and send us dms and comment on our stuff and comment and dm us on our personal accounts i had a few today saying i love the episode um you know with david and it's just really sweet of you to do that we really appreciate it yeah give us your ideas follow us rate us do all the things that people that people do. who love a podcast should be doing yeah buy our buy our merch that we don't have yet either save money for our merch one day <laughs> for real for real for real it does it doesn't take us a lot of time but it does take us time to always create content and put out an episode every week and little things by liking us on apple Podcasts. yeah it goes a long way we got one more five star this week did we we did that's so exciting it's a huge deal thank you you know who you are you know who you are all right well thanks everybody we appreciate it bye